Welcome to Thomas Anonymous with Tommy Natoli. That's me. Today I have bursting from my man loins. Chapter 18. Blue Collar Cock. When I wasn't tackling girls during touch football games, I was busy flirting with them. Girls booze weed. Girls booze weed. Girls booze... Gay Craigslist took up weed. That was the pattern of the fall semester at the Not Real College Acting Conservatory. My New York vagina resume is a short one-name list. The dorm slut. I'm pretty sure that's her real name. We banged at least a few times. She was super fun, and she owned her sluttiness like an 18-year-old version of Samantha from Sex and the City. What does a freshman have to do around here to get some fresh men? That's my bad joke Samantha impression. Me! And I'm pretty sure that was the only girl penetration I had while at school. Yeah, I had other girls in my room. Chicks, bruh. But it was all flirty bullshit, not sex. Drunk dorm room makeout sessions. Drunk taxi makeout sessions. Drunk bar makeout sessions. Man, I liked making out drunk. I was busy! Dorm slut and her BFF were always trying to get me to three-way with them. Like, if you girls want to les out, go for it. You don't need me to justify it. You have no idea how bored I am watching you ladies make out. Oh, great, your tits are out. Oh, God, this night's never going to end. All of these great times usually ended with a disappointed girl or girls leaving my dorm room. Okay, bye! Banging the dorm slut was easy because she was basically a power top. But all those other girls, it was like I was in the role of the boy, and I just lacked the desire to make a move and initiate sex. Doy. As we all know, I end up leaving New York City and dropping out. Ha ha, me! Hey, I'm a proud quitter. I've quit almost everything I've ever started, and that's artistic integrity, goddammit. The fact that I haven't quit this book-slash-podcast-slash-whatever is shocking, but I shouldn't say anything yet. I am still prone to quit at any time and kitchen table note, you guys. Podcast over, bye! I'm a proud quitter, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like I'm always constantly surrounded by proud quitters. People with their, oh, I quit smoking, oh, I quit drinking. Yeah, well, I quit paying my car payment, so... Nobody cares about your 30 days of no caffeine. After proudly quitting and leaving New York, I found myself in the small town I spent years fantasizing about escaping. That feeling, needless to say, sucks. I was 21 and made whiskey, cigarettes, and doing nothing my main focus in life. Hi, I'm Wareham. Since I had been a professional booze bag in New York, my new hobby in life was going to the different bars in town to pound a few drinks before I go home to pound more drinks. Yay, 21-year-olds! I couldn't face my true self in New York, so of course, once back in Wareham, I doubled down on the I'm straight gig. It was in a local bar and grill that I found Willow again. At first it was professional waitress Willow that I was talking to, but by the end of the night we had exchanged phone numbers. It was casual at first. She was in the middle of breaking up again with baby girl's bio dad. She tried to work things out with him, but it wasn't working out mostly because of his loser status and super stinky foreskin. I'm sorry, I'm a journalist, I have to tell the truth! It smelled like rubber and mustard. Allegedly! We didn't get back together right away. I was on my own journey of hanging out with losers, getting fucked up. I used to travel to random places just to get drunk and go home. Twenty-something are priorities! After me jet-setting and train-tripping across the country, I returned to the magnet that is Wareham. And that's when Willow and I officially started dating again. And by dating, I mean she would come over to my place and we would smoke weed and cigarettes and fuck. It was a couple months of this, and before I knew it, we were having the Tommy and Willow relaunch. Season 2 premiere! And we had to pitch it to her friends, family, and baby girl. I could totally just be the cool boyfriend. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> sure. 
I got a crap job making shitty Subway sandwiches, and we were once again living the domestic dream together. Insanity! Live in Technicolor! There was no attic apartment this time. Willow had a real place with real ceilings that you could stand up and shower under. And baby girl wasn't a baby anymore, and this time we had a close bond without the crushing weight of being daddy. I clocked a ton of hours playing My Little Pony, lifting her up on my legs to be an airplane. Pretend this, pretend that. God, you know, five-year-olds are obsessed with telling you what is pretend. Like, I get it, we're improvising, girl. Just keep going. And my favorite baby girl game was when I would pile all the blankets and pillows onto the bed, pick her up, and throw her across the room into the pile of soft, cushy awesomeness. Hey, what can I say? I'm a lot of fun. Me! While I was having a blast throwing children into blanket piles, I ignored all the screaming voices inside of me telling me, Hey, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing, asshole! And I kept ignoring them. Hey, hello, this is a lie! Uh, are you listening? And I kept ignoring them. Uh, hello, we made like a clear open path for you. Don't you remember Lithium's baby? Ignoring, 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 ignoring. And this is what you do with your second chance? Oh, yeah, sorry. As the months rolled by, the bitterness of life started to set in. The smell of subway on my clothes. Ugh. The constant full-time job that still left me with no money. Facing the truth that if I didn't say anything or do anything, that this was gonna be it. This was gonna be my life, my future, and the best I could hope for in my shitty little town. Maybe some people at this point might want to escape this and motivate themselves to get out, but I wanted to sink in deeper. Still caring so much what others thought, I wanted to be a normal, blue-collar, working-class, whatever-you-call-them type of guys. And I wanted to be accepted by those type of guys. Probably because I was super into them. Seriously, working-class dudes are hot. I would love to blow some blue-collar cock. Wait, no, did I say that? No, dick thoughts. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. Huh. As I settled in again to a domestic life, it started to hit me that maybe all these thoughts wouldn't go away. Oh, maybe it wasn't a phase, huh? No way! Fuck that! Being a gay guy sucks! I don't want to be some queer eye for the straight guy! I just want to be a straight guy! Ugh. I wanted to permanently weigh myself down and commit to this situation. I also wanted to make up for the past of leaving a note on the table and skipping into the distance with stupid lithium. So one night, while Willow and I were having sex and she was riding me, top, I pulled out a diamond ring and asked her to marry me. Penetration engagement. Yeah, now that is romance. And it was a real ring. I mean, it was a ring from Sears, but better than a paperclip. Bam! I was engaged. Again. And I also knew that the real anchor to life would be to have a baby, and so of course, we were also trying to make a baby. <laughs> we were busy. Full entrapment is what I was looking for. Enter the wedding planning, the constant sex in hopes of getting knocked up, the false alarms of pregnancy. I was fighting against everything my insights were telling me, ignoring intuition and desperately trying to create a reality that was never intended to be mine. As you can imagine, all of this was a great recipe for some good old-fashioned depression. Insert funny depression commercial here. Not able to get out of bed on my days off. I would have outbursts of random anger and just be an overall negative asshole to Willow. I would spend afternoons laying in bed just staring at the wall. And I built a rock-solid emotional wall around me and secluded myself from everyone and everything. Despite all that I was trying to create, marriage, a baby, a family, a dumb job, my intuition was screaming at me every day that yet again I was doing it all wrong. As if it was some kind of life lesson that I was failing hard. So I detached. <laughs> Men. I started staying out more at friends, becoming super busy all of a sudden. And by busy, what I mean is I was busy smoking weed and taking shrooms in the woods. Me. 
After a few months of total detachment, Willow and I broke up a couple weeks before Christmas. It had been coming for a while, but when she left all my stuff at the end of the driveway, it all hit me. I cried and cried and cried and felt heartbreak in a way I never had before. And I didn't understand why I felt such pain since the whole thing was of my own doing. One would think that I would be relieved and feel free, but I felt like I had been gutted and as if I had murdered somebody twice. To know that you are causing somebody such heartbreak again, miserable breakup feelings again, is such a gut-wrenching feeling. And feeling that horrible makes you feel even worse because then you think, oh my god, they're hurting worse than I am and it's all my fault. It's a vicious breakup cycle. How did I escape the prison cell of my own mind? I listened to music a lot. I was super emo. All day, every day, I would pump a playlist into my head. I'd walk around, stare at stuff, maybe paint a window, color a picture, just sit with myself and my feelings. Inspired by all of the queer bands I would listen to, I started wearing black eyeliner all the time and everywhere I went. Not just so that I could feel something different and express my inner angst. But also to make all the straight guys at the local Walmart really fucking confused. Through my shroom-induced state of mind, I was casting some serious magic out into the world. Yeah, magic, it's real, you guys. Look it up. I was summoning the power to break free and let go to be myself and not give a shit. At that time, I was also full of deep, blood-stained anger towards the world at what being myself meant. I was angry that we had labels and boxes, and I began to objectively look at the effects of society on my life. And although I didn't know the term at the time, I was infuriated at toxic masculinity. The rules and standards of our stupid culture were asphyxiating me. So I began fighting back the only way I knew how. Black eyeliner. Duh. Nothing scared straight men more than seeing a guy in eyeliner. I could feel their dicks shrink up inside them just at the mere sight of me. And that made me feel amazing. It was just fuel to the fire for me. It made me want to make every straight man in America feel that way. <laughs> it's basically still my main career goal. Eyeliner and punk rock got me to wake up a little bit. FYI, punk rock will save your soul. Look, I'm not a music nerd, and I'm certainly not an ambassador for punk rock music. I was much more of a casual bystander who grew to love the mission statement of punk rock. I can't name a punk scene band or a song or a hipster fun fact or a concert story or whatever the fuck. Don't care. All I know is for me, punk rock isn't about the music. It's about the attitude. They didn't give a fuck what anybody thought or said about them. They were holding up a mirror to society to show them all the flaws and stupidity that runs amok. They didn't let words hurt them. They took those words and they put them in neon lights above their head and said, Fuck you world, eat my ass. Those guys are cool. But I wasn't interested in like the songs, the albums, musicians, old school scene facts. Boring. I mean, I liked the fashion and making pyramid studded jeans, but I just really loved the whole middle finger in the air attitude. To me, punk rock isn't a music genre, it's a state of mind. So I took it. I applied the fuck you of punk rock to my life and it saved my everything. Willow and I did the classic, oh, we're broken up, but let's still have sex thing for a little while. But I could tell that on the days she would find me in three-day-old guy liner, that she knew and I knew what we have both known the entire time. Despite the sex and connection and time together, I was different, and it was clear that I was heading down a different road. Even after we stopped having sex post-breakup, we managed to, after some time, stay friends and remain in contact. She used to get me pot, and then we would hang out for an hour or two every other week with the unspoken gay word under the surface. We both loved each other, and we felt a soul connection, but it was just, like, wrong time, wrong place, wrong life type of thing. 
After the Willow 2.0 breakup, it was the year of my hippy-dippy spiritual awakening and discovery of the rest stop, and that whole blowjob circus started. It was through those hookups I began to see what kind of life I could have had. Working full-time, stopping off on my way home to quench my blue-collar cock-sucking thirst, all while Willow or whoever made a meal and raised the kids. Thanks to the rest stop, of all places, I started to let go of that fake-ass stupid idea of what I should be and who I should be. I embraced the attention I got at the rest stop and used it to empower myself into self-acceptance. Finish zip leave! Thanks for the blowjob, mister. Have fun going home to your wife. I'm going home to a pizza and America's Next Top Model. Ha! As I slowly started to be okay with wanting dick and having no problem telling people I like dick, I still didn't want to be categorized. I didn't want to be put in that box of gay guy. I found that to be the most offensive part. Why do I have to pick a label? Ugh, conformity! I called myself pansexual because I heard Michael C. Hall say it in an interview once and I'm a copycat. Me. I mean, I'd been with women, but I didn't want to be put in the bisexual box. God, so many boxes that ironically have nothing to do with vaginas. Since I was finally listening to all my feelings about me, I also had to listen to the other voice in me that had been saying something for years and years. I had to leave. If there was one thing I knew from the moment we moved to Wareham on November fucking 1st, 19 fucking 90, it was that I needed to get the fuck out of that town. That town was sucking my soul. To me, Wareham is a wasteland where people either get a job at the bank or become a total drug addict and overdose. While I knew I could never work at a bank, so I better jump ship before I ended up in a rehab or the morgue, I spent an entire year summoning all the courage and all the everything I could do to muster up the balls to do it and leave. Even I wasn't sure if it would really happen, but I had to at least give it a try. I could not sit in that town and let my feelings of what life could have been like eat away at me forever. I emailed a lot with my dad in California who encouraged me to go stay with him and as he said, start anew. When I was just about ready to leave, I got word that my dad just had a brain aneurysm and was in the hospital. I felt horrible. I felt like, oh my god, this is totally my fault because of my Navy death lies I committed. Uh, me? Also, I was annoyed that I was ready to move and now I had to wait for him to recover. God, doesn't he know this is all about me? My dad thankfully made a kind of astonishing recovery from the brain aneurysm, and then I just had to wait for the green light from him to move west. While I waited for my green light, I made a quick trip to New York City, and I stayed with Shaving Cream Dude. Who? Oh, he was a guy I went to school with and hooked up with once. He came to my dorm room one night and asked to borrow some shaving cream, and he never gave it back. Anyway, we fucked. In Trisha's room, and we used her sunscreen for lube. So, I was going back for seconds before I made my big move to Cali. It was nice to have the experience of not having to slink away in shame after. <laughs> no finish zip leave. This was like a real grown-up sleepover. I'm growing up, you guys! When I left the next day, as I walked to the train, the sun was beaming down what felt like a spotlight just for me, and I felt in that moment that I had to tell my dad before I got there. I emailed him to let him know that I was excited to move out to Cali, but I wanted him to know that I wasn't straight, but that I was pansexual. I told him that I loved all people. <laughs> it's nice to ease people in with the buy card, especially dads. As I stressed out after hitting the send button, I quickly got a reply from him that said, Cool, the more the merrier. I love my dad. Finally, I got my green light, and that's when it happened. And I couldn't believe it was happening, but it was, and I did it. I left Wareham. I still wasn't out of the closet yet, but by transplanting myself to the other side of the country and moving 3,000 miles away, I set in motion my unavoidable evolution. I couldn't believe I did it. <laughs> I fucking left.
did it. Yay. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Tommy Natoli. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at Thomas Anonymous Pod. Leave us a review on iTunes or just take a screenshot of some nice words you wrote and put it on the socials. What do I care? Express yourself. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>